You're listening to the Live Out Loud podcast with River Wynn and Michelle Flamer. Hi, River. Hey, Michelle. What's happening? Got my coffee. It's a beautiful day. It's a Saturday when we're recording. And it, yeah, I'm excited for today because we have a repeat guest. We have our first repeat guest. I know, and I'm very excited. Samantha Fox is here, the lesbian curiosity coach, but she's rebranding herself, which is kind of cool. I mean, she's always going to be the lesbian curiosity coach, but she's doing some cool stuff. Hello, Samantha. Hello, Michelle. Hi, River. What's (laughs) happening? So good to be here. It's a beautiful day here in New York, too. Ooh, what? Yeah, it's really pretty here this morning. We have a little bit of those Santa Ana winds coming through and it's just really lovely. And I took a picture yesterday of a sunrise and it's just been gorgeous sunrises. So of course I'm up that early. So, you know, how it rolls. How's it up where you are, River, up in Oregon? You know, actually today it's like 40 degrees out. It's windy, but it's sunny and beautiful. And it just feels like such a mild winter. And I love it so much because I am not, we get a lot of snow here normally. And normally this time of the year, it'd be like down in the like single digits. And I just love this mild weather so much. I love it too, when it's beautiful like that. But I also like the snow. Um So Sam, we were talking uh, a couple of weeks ago as we were sort of unpacking uh, some new things for you and you have been doing just to catch some readers, um, some readers, some listeners up um, on what you've been doing like the last couple of years and you started those boot camps, but just to like catch everybody up a little bit with who you are, what you do, and then you can go right in and share, um, share some of the some of the new for 2024 and sort of how you're expanding this beautiful business that you've got going on. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful yeah. practice, I should say. Yes. So uh, let's see. Well, for the last um, almost, I guess it's about two and a half years now, I've been running programs. I'm I'm a sexuality coach. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. So I have been running programs for women um, and non-binary folks uh, coming out later in life, questioning their sexuality, you know, realizing they're bisexual or just really people who want to be curious about their sexuality, um, which is not something that we learn to do early on typically. So those of you that were able to do that, that's awesome. So many of us just are not because of compulsory heterosexuality, which um, is, you know, that, that phrase, that buzzword for me, that is just everywhere. So um, yeah, so I've developed some programs for women that happen in community mm-hmm. where I'm your guide and you have a community of like-minded, supported, supportive folks that are in the program with you. And we go through um, 12 weeks of what I call unpacking, unlearning and relearning. Um, basically unpacking all of the conditioning that we've received, whether it's from our family of origin or religion or society in general. And then um, kind of like relearning, you know, how you want to be in the world and what you want to invite in in that place. So it's pretty intense. Um, It is based on um, 
you know, based on IFS, which is internal family systems. So I use IFS in the program. So it's, you know, it's not therapy, it's coaching, but it is intense and deep. And I would say what you get in 12 weeks is probably the equivalent of what would take five years for you to do in therapy. Um, so, you know, a lot of women are stuck and they're just like, I don't know what to do about these feelings that I'm having. And they just don't know what step to take first. And I am here with 12 weeks of exactly what you need to do to unpack this and to come more into your authentic self. And so beautiful. I just finished um, a program this week, actually. And I mean, these women are just so unbelievable. And they all left with this calm, centered sense of themselves that they did not enter into. And some of them have moved out from their um, marital relationships. Some of them have moved towards separating and still living with their husbands. Um, you know, some of them were single and had been married multiple times, but were single, but and are moving into queer community and going to like queer book clubs. And I mean, whatever it is, but such transformation for each individual, so different, but so, so huge. So, um, yeah, so this formerly has been the boot camp, um, and it's now the, um, unbox your sexuality program, 12 week program. And it's the same program, just different name. Um, and that is, that is what is happening with that. I love that. And don't you love that she actually uses IFS? Cause we were talking about yes. it on our, on our little pre-chat, um, a couple of weeks ago, River. And I was like, oh my God, this makes so much sense. Why everybody is actually able to push through and move through these things. Just like you said. And now that I had my first IFS, um, therapy just the other day, Sam, and it was awesome of how um, how we identify these pieces of us and how they do make up a whole of us, right? But but identifying these pieces allows us to just sort of safely allow the parts to live and breathe, but not to always be taking over. Correct. Yeah, yeah I have such a beautiful tool. I, I have, I have gained so much. I've been doing IFS with my therapist for the last two months and it has just changed a lot in my life. And it's giving me such a deep tool for sitting with myself. And now even in between sessions, I'm able to utilize that in such a beautiful way um, and just stay really, truly deeply grounded and connected to my sense of self. And I just love that so much. Yes. And that's the calm. So for some of the listeners who may not truly know a little bit about IFS, would you just give a, give them the little 30 second elevator pitch on it and, and, and maybe also what you love about it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I started learning IFS when I was still in my uh, master's program to become a therapist and it always spoke to me, like right when I heard actually Richard Schwartz speak about it at my graduate school. And I just right away was like, holy cow, this just so resonates with me. And it basically is, you know, the, the premise of the model is that we all have a self, Mm -hmm. you know, um, at the core, like we are born with that, but because of the way life happens and, you know, everybody has different circumstances, we develop parts as we, you know, go through our early years that help us to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, different situations, whatever they are, you know, in your family of origin, whatever the things are that are 
challenging to the point where you actually don't have those tools as a young person, like your system just doesn't have tools to manage it, but you do have parts and mm -hmm. these parts come automatically up and help you manage things that would be difficult for you. They find ways for you to manage them. And so they kind of take over and we don't even know that's happening. We just think that this is us. Like, I'm just this kind of person. I'm a person that, that does things this way, or, you know, I react that way. Or so we kind of identify all of these parts as I, and then we go out into the world, right? We launch out into the world. We're no longer children. And we continue to identify all of these parts that helped us to survive our early experiences when we had no tools, um, as I, and I keep getting into the same situations and I keep getting into the same argument and I keep repeating the same dynamic in a relationship and not really even being able to like stop it, you know, like, but like you might know it's happening, but you can't really stop it. But you also think it's you, you think it's yourself. And so the IFS method is a way to separate out yourself mm -hmm. from these parts and the whole idea is like the parts are in they they are their own internal family system. Mm -hmm. so you have like a family inside of you of parts that are all relating somehow to each other in the way that most families are somewhat dysfunctional, you know, but they still function, you know, mm -hmm. same with the parts. And, um, you know, so basically the model is a way to se separate out yourself from your parts so that you can start to regain your adult self energy of today. And then mm -hmm. for you to actually get to know your parts and even befriend your parts and see, even if they're just really difficult and they've made your life very difficult in certain ways, they're always there for a good reason and leaning into curiosity about why they're there and what their job is and what their goal is and what their fears are and really engaging your parts. So they become kind of like your friends, because the truth is they're kind of like your own internal, like army of how you've survived. Yeah. One of my managers is a real bitch. Let me just tell you, yeah, like yeah. he is just a bitch <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's definitely not something that I ever like formulated or like, but going through these exercises, I'm like, wow, she's the bitchy one. Cause it's not the one that I, it, cause the codependency side, like the codependency side and the people pleaser side of me, like would never like pushes her down, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of understanding her a little bit and I'm mm -hmm. kind of enjoying that little bit because I, it's okay if I want to be bitchy every now and then it's okay if I just feel a little condescending or feel like I want to like slide a little thought or, you know, like just say something under my tongue. Like I'm just, I'm always known for being so freaking kind. I'm so nice. I'm so like Michelle will do anything. Like she's always going to be up for whatever. And so it's just really fascinating, like going and, and unboxing this stuff. It's yeah. like, it's really, so I'm curious. Did you, did you want to jump in there, uh, River? Because no, no, I'm just agreeing with you. Like that, you know, that yeah. I that's my experience as well as just getting to know. I think the biggest piece for me has been really coming to to understand self and what that looks and feels like, and then being able to come back to self and still acknowledge those other pieces and see that we're all working together and reassure them, like, hey, I know you're scared. I know you're anxious because of this and you have this fear, but Hey, I, 
I am in control here. I got this. I am not going to abandon us like I've done in the past. I've got the reins here. I'm going to make smart choices. I'm going to take care of us. And that has been such a huge change for me. I love it. So I'm curious, like with regards to the group and you're doing IFS with a group collective, like everyone's on a call. How are you asking just questions and then everybody's dissecting it for themselves and you're kind of like, okay, yeah, go. you're like, no, okay, explain (laughs) explain how you sort of manage the IFS piece of it with your groups. I'm just really curious about that. Yeah. So currently the way it happens is we have live group calls that are 90 minutes long every week for 12 weeks. Um, there is a very big self-reflection component of the program. So every week you have a module, which includes a video lesson and IFS meditation that I've created, um, and then a reflection worksheet with writing prompts. And so, um, you know, let's say we start with, um, people pleasing. So Mm -hmm. it will be an entire module with a meditation on people pleasing that allows you to first come into your self energy and then start doing the exploring and finding your people pleasing part, understanding where it exists in your body. And then, you know, kind of trying to interact with it from your self energy that you have cultivated at the beginning of the meditation. So it's the meditations are pretty powerful um, and get amazing results. And then as soon as you're done with the meditation, you have the reflection worksheet, which you then, you know, really get curious and answer all the questions. And then another component. So this program is made up of many components. It's not just the live calls. Another component of the program is you have VIP coaching with me for 12 weeks. So you have access to, um, one-on-one, um, video or text coaching. Mm -hmm. So people then will reach out and say, Hey, I was doing the meditation. You know, they'll send me a video. I was doing the meditation, this and this, and this came up. So I will go back and forth and help people kind of flesh out what's going on and what's coming up for them or where to lean into more curiosity. So that's kind of the IFS piece of it. And then in group, it's kind of exploring what came up for people around the modules, um, breakout rooms with exercises around what's coming up for them. So you get to really connect to your cohort. And then we open up just for like all kinds of questions that people have. That's cool. Is there a typical theme amongst these late coming, these late bloomers and coming out? Is there like, all right, all right. Is everyone's manager the same when they're like in this space or is it totally, totally different? I mean, I think that, that everybody has their own, um, you know, their parts are going to be different from the next person. So their managers will be different from the next person's, um, but they will still be managers or firefighters, you know, but really for the program, it's really like, I really refer to it just as parts to keep it kind of simple. Um, and you can definitely, I can assure you that for all these people that are coming out a little bit later, and when I say later, I mean, twenties to really 70 is the age group that I work with. Um, they all have the people pleasing part. Mm. And they pretty much all have an internalized homophobic part mm. and they pretty much all have like an internalized misogynistic part. Mm. Um, and so, you know, these are just common in this, mm-hmm. group. like these people that it took a really long time for them to 
come to themselves and they're struggling. I mean, they're in the program because like they are still struggling. You know, they are not just, there are people who just come out and they're just like, okay, I'm out, you know? Um, you within the group, like are some of them having therapy on their own or yes. are they kind of using you as their pillar? Both. To, yeah, both. both. I think it really depends on how much trauma history you have. So, I mean, this is a coaching program. It's not a therapy program. So I'm doing um, the IFS work in a coaching capacity. Um, if somebody, you know, has tons of trauma history, I always encourage people to also be working with a therapist. Mm -hmm. So I do even one-on-one -on -one coaching with a lot of clients that continue to have therapy as well. And they do both together and that works well as well. Now that I've like learned more about IFS, are, what's your thoughts on, I mean, you've been a ther practicing therapist, having a really successful practice, um, what's your thought of IFS versus regular talk therapy? Cause, cause River and I have been sort of dissecting this a little bit on some of the solo, the po podcasts that we just do solo without a guest, but um, what's your thoughts on that? Cause I'm curious. Yeah. Same. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting because um, you know, I don't do IFS with all of my therapy clients. Hmm. Um, some people, have a lot of resistance to thinking about their parts or working with their parts. Um, and I mean, actually like, doing the work. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Doing the work in that way. Like they are yeah. just resistant to it. Yeah. Um, and then I have other clients that that's all we do. I mean, from the beginning, we start right there and it's the whole hour. Um, you know, I can see the difference in those that I do IFS with in their, in their self energy. I mean, the whole idea of IFS is to free your self mm -hmm. energy to be the adult you are today so that you can eventually be there for your internal little people that got stuck mm -hmm. at all different ages and all the parts that are protecting them can soften. They can just sit down. They're not going away. We're not asking them to leave. We're just asking them to take a seat or they can lie down in a lounge chair, you know, and trust that self <laughs> has your scared little one, you know, or your terrified little one of being abandoned or whatever it is. So, um, I find those clients just, I mean, their, their growth and evolution is unbelievable when you do IFS and that's really what you do. You're going to see huge changes very quickly. How do you identify? Like you have two new people, right? Like totally different circumstances, whatnot. They find you get a referral, blah, 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 call you. Let's do our first initial consult hour, you know, like we all do. Mm -hmm. What, what's, what's the difference between identifying is, or is it identifying who's going to lean into IFS or is it more of a, a person who's kind of in therapy to just say they're in therapy? Like, I know there's probably a mix of all that, but I'm just curious how you identify those folks when they first come in, because I literally didn't know anything about IFS until River started talking about it. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, well, damn, I like, that's a lot. I mean, I've been able to snow my own therapist for, for therapists for years, like just based on talk therapy just for me almost felt too easy because I can just talk about whatever. And I'm, but I'm not like really truly digging into self. And now I'm mad at myself that I 
didn't understand or know IFS back then, or that a therapist didn't like introduce me to it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it really depends on the tolerance of the person um, for the work. And a lot of people um, that come into therapy have a really hard time. Like they don't have self-energy yet. Mm -hmm. Um, They're completely overwrought with their parts. And so their parts can be like leading the session, Um, you know, and so it really, it takes somebody who really is like willing to lean into my curiosity about their parts and, and kind of like, will go with that. Um, so I'm not, I am not a purist of any method. I have trainings in a lot of different kinds of method. I mean, for my unboxer sexuality program, it is IFS based, um, that's what I use as the model to work off of because it really helps people get to these parts that are keeping them from their authentic selves. And they need that mm-hmm. in order to be able to accept themselves. And it's, it's 12 weeks, you know, it's like, this is what we're doing. Therapy is just completely different. I mean, there isn't a time restraint, like, so I get to just kind of see what people's comfort level is and where they are and what they're coming in with. And then from there determine like which one's are going to be open to working this way because I do it with a lot of guided meditation and kind of going inward. And um, so it really just depends on the client. You know, I, I really just collaborate and, and go with the client where they are and try to not push them anywhere that isn't comfortable for them. I don't know um, if we've, we have talked about yet, but you know, that show on Showtime couples therapy with Dr. Orna. Mm-hmm. I don't think she uses IFS or maybe she does, but I don't think she does, but she's so damn good at curious, at being curious mm-hmm. that she kind of knows how to lead them. I mean, you guys are pretty awesome at that, but like how she leads them through, I would be really curious to have a show like that with an IFS therapist, because I would just like to see how it's, like if Showtime is listening or someone can get this to Showtime, like an IFS couples therapy show from Showtime would be awesome. I would really like to see how even as couples, how that that like incorporates. I don't I'm just so curious about all that. It's just it's fun. I yeah. I have a little question. So as you were talking about IFS, um, something that kind of just like resonated for me was you said, um, you know, it's about becoming the adult you are now, like unblending the parts that you become the adult you are now. And that's something with my therapist that she will often ask my parts, does this part know how old you are? Yes. Oh, I know. It's such a good question. And so I'm curious then when you're working with these clients who are in this 12 week program is a lot of what you are working through trying to help the parts identify that the adult who they are now is safe to be who they are. Whereas the child, which a lot of these parts are based in that child trauma, the child fears, the unsafety, our environments, all the narratives that we learned as children. So is that a big piece of the program? Just like really trying to help these women like give that safety to those inner child parts so that they can just fully be the adults they are now without all of that in the way. Yes. I mean, that is the, that is the goal. And like I said, at the end of this 12 weeks, 
the calm, you know, mm-hmm. because self-energy is calm and confident and connected and courageous, mm-hmm. right? It's grounded. It's all yeah. these things. And I can just tell you, that's what these women were like. Their self-energy was present. They had their own facts, um, you know, and, you know, there's, I'm sure there's still so much more work. I mean, there's, I've been in therapy for like a lifetime and I will never stop. You know, there's so much work to be done always. It's not like a one and done ever with anything, but yes, it's absolutely freeing them up to be their selves and to be able to be there for their little exile ones, little children that got stuck back there and to allow the parts to soften enough for them to see their little ones and to have gratitude for their parts, like to get to know their parts, to love their parts. Like, oh my God, thank you so much for working so hard for 40 years. You've been protecting me in this way. And like, you must be so tired, you know, and I have Mm -hmm. tons of gratitude and the part starts to soften, you know, Mm -hmm. and you can physiologically feel that in your body, like the tightness in the chest when one part is present or wherever it shows up in the body. And then after you are able to connect to it and start to really have some gratitude toward it after you've really explored, like, why is it there? What is it trying to do? When does it show up? How old does it think you are? You know, and all of these things. And what is it afraid would happen if it didn't show up? If it Mm -hmm. didn't show up and do what it does, what could then happen? Oh my gosh. Well, this part is trying to really protect me. Yes. You know, can we have gratitude? Can we have thanks for it? Let it know, send that love to your part, you know, and the parts start to soften and the self energy starts to come out. So it's really, it's very, um, you know, it's just, it's so rewarding to watch. I have a question. I have a question. Oh, go ahead. Go oh, ahead. it's okay. I have a question around religion and, and River, you might answer this as well because of the cult experience you had growing up. Like, is there a religion part? Like, because for me, religion wasn't like a, a deal breaker in my life. Like it, being Jewish, you know, conservative in LA, like, you know, Hey, you're Jew. What's up? You know, member of the tribe, you know, all good. So, but these like strictly, you know, like very, um, what is it like, uh, religious Mm -hmm. tones and families who are Mm -hmm. really like kind of on the right side, right? Like really, um, these, these women are dealing with those parts as well, which is a whole other dynamic, right? Yes. That's interesting. Yeah. The, um, you know, the fear of being left alone, um, or abandoned because, you know, when the, and I also wasn't raised with like any kind of strong religion. So I didn't really know a lot about these. I still don't know a ton about the details of all these religions, but I certainly work with a lot of women that have lived through this, whose parents are pastors or her parents are, you know, huge, um, CEOs of, of churches and things like that, that are, um, very, um, prominent in their very life. Christian. Yeah. yeah. And you know, a lot of the parts that come up around that are just like self-doubt and like gaslighting themselves, you know, really just those are the parts that I see a lot are the self-doubting and the gaslighting parts for those people, because it's mm. just really hard for them to trust. Like they don't trust themselves. 
you know, mm -hmm. it's just like, they can't get to that point of trust. And it feels, although I have to say, like, I have this one client that I've been working with for now, I'd say it's about a year, one-on-one. -on -one, and she did the Unbox Your Sexuality program. And um, she is, you know, had gone to Bible school and married the first guy she could and a lovely guy. They just finished separating. She's dating. She's on the West Coast, you know, in her 30s, a therapist. I mean, she is so happy and she comes from the most extremely religious background. Um, and, you know, I mean, I have a number of people in my programs that are that, and it's just, it's, I just feel so lucky to be part of this energy of freeing these women. I mean, it's amazing, but it works also for them. And I don't need to know everything about the religion for, for, right. it to, yeah. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Did, River, did you have like a, like a cult part of you, like a cult part? Um, there wasn't like a specific, like a, like a, this is the cult part. This is the religious part for me. It was more of there's the inner child of me, like this very soft, very creative, very like big energy, um, part of me that was hiding. And it was basically surrounded by all of these different parts that were very deeply trying to protect it because all these parts saw that the environment I was in wasn't safe mm. for this soft, nurturing, creative, big energy child that I was. And so these parts immediately like locked me down of it's not safe to be yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not safe to be seen. It's not safe um, to own who you are and you can't trust yourself because in this environment, the dogma is the only person you can trust is God and you cannot trust yourself. Yeah. And so basically this, this little part of me was just so sad and so tucked away. And all of these parts felt sad too, because they could see that little soft part of me grieving, wanting to be free and just be, be its big, beautiful self, but they had to keep it safe. Mm -hmm. And so it was less about there being like a cult part or a religious part. It was more about like all of these individual parts doing their job to keep me safe from the abuse and all of the things that was happening around me. Mm -hmm. oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of parts to all of us, right? So it's interesting when you start to unpack some of these, it's like, whoa, and things you didn't even know were holding you up and blocking you and all that right. sort of stuff. And speaking, you know, in that sense of we're, we're rolling in, we're in December, we're rolling into the holidays, like the, the core holiday piece here where people start traveling, you know, over the holidays and people are going to see their family who they may not have seen for a year. A lot of people can change in a year. As you know, people can change in 12 months with you, Sam. Like, it's like crazy how so, weeks. Yeah. So I would love to, I love giving applicable, you know, um, a, an applicable playbook a little bit, you know, like to navigating holidays around boundaries around, if it's your first queer holiday and you maybe you have or haven't come out yet to family, like what are some of the things that people will be, you you know, within your own practice and your own knowing, like what are people going to be dissecting for the next kind of 10 days into New Year's, you know, and, and 
all of a sudden, maybe being in a new situation, maybe they're, it's their last family as a unit, you know, maybe a husband, wife are splitting up and the kid, like it's their last holiday together, or, or maybe she's just thinking about, you know, all the things. Yeah. Lots of things to think about. Lots of things to think about. <laughs> and especially at this time of year, right? Because it is that time of year. That's like, I mean, talk about like conditioning. I mean, you know, we are all so deeply conditioned around the holidays that like. So stupid, but it is, it is. Yeah, it, it is conditioning that it's supposed to be a certain way. It's supposed mm-hmm. to look a certain way. You're supposed to have a certain type of family dynamic. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's supposed to be very pretty and very loving and very warm. And, you know, um, well, yeah, think all- Hallmark movies, right? Like, yes. think, just think a yeah. Hallmark movie. Like that's what people are conditioned to feel and think. Right. And so here you are, you know, wherever you are in your journey. So you might not be out to anybody yet, but you're out to yourself, you know, or maybe you're out to yourself and you're even, you might even be out to your partner, but you haven't come out to your larger family. Right. So that's like, it's just, it's so much to hold at a time when there is this pressure from society to Mm -hmm. be this perfect thing that, you know, is upheld, like, here's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just, I would really recommend for folks to remember that, you know, where is this coming from? And, you know, is that really like, are they taking part in that? Because if you're starting to come out and you are coming into yourself and you are planning on either opening up your marriage or being polyamorous or, you know, separating and, you know, being a, a gay person in the world, whatever it looks like, mm-hmm. Um, you're breaking away from all of these norms that are put on all of us from the moment we're born. Like that is the path you are choosing. So even as you go into the holiday season to try to hold on to that as a piece of knowledge for yourself, that this is, you know, I'm, I'm moving into this and it, this is, everybody's feeling this pressure and I don't have to, I can make a choice here. Like I can be okay with myself and who I am. I can be okay with the direction I'm going, which is toward authenticity, not toward people pleasing everybody around me and doing the thing that everybody expects me to do so that they're all happy and I'm miserable, right? So the holidays can even be like a time to like, I don't know, like validate that you are on the right path, right? And if you have feelings coming up that are really not in that, way like you're really really beating yourself up about your direction and that you're going to ruin the holiday forever for everybody after this year you know now the holidays will be ruined for the remainder of time because you're going to be separated or because you're coming out and everyone's Mm -hmm. going to be so disappointed or they're going to disown you or whatever it is um you know I would say definitely lean into doing some more work with yourself um Mm -hmm. you know it's valid a lot of people feel that way and also Um, there are ways to not feel like that. There are ways to come into your authentic self and to not have to beat yourself up. Um, Do you think like, do you think people should have, like if it's a small family, do you think it's something, hey, you know, um, before they've traveled to see the family, is it something where you should have a conversation prior and sort of setting the expectations and the tone and, 
but coming from a, a, a really kind place, obviously, like, yeah. hey, mom, I'm coming in. As you know, I've been dealing with a lot of stuff and this is, and just sort of, can, can we unpack this a little bit so that we can just spend the holidays being ourselves? Like, yeah, I think it, it absolutely depends on the family system. Right. Um, but I can tell you in my last cohort, um, one of my participants, uh, midway, she came out to her husband and told him that she wanted to separate. And then it was coming up to Thanksgiving and she decided that she really wanted to come out to her family, um, religious family also. Um, but she was going to go to Thanksgiving and then come out right afterwards. And the way she decided to do it was so amazing. She created like the coolest PowerPoint presentation. I yeah, love it. yeah. It was so good. I mean, it you was should so sell good. It. She could sell it. I'm, I'm not kidding. You should it, seriously sell it through, through yeah. your program. Like just put it on and kick her back some royalties. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it was so good. And it was basically just, it was very boundaried. It answered questions that she felt comfortable answering, mm -hmm. but in a very fun way, like the whole thing was so fun, but also boundaried. Um, you know, and these are the things I'm not going to answer. These are the questions here. Here are some resources go check out this website, go look over here, read on this topic. You know, um, she broke down like compulsory heterosexuality for them and what that was all about. I mean, it was just amazing. So, so what I'm saying is I think it really, like, I don't think there, there isn't one way to come out to your family around the holidays. Like this is such a personal piece. And a lot of people that do come out to their families find also, this is something I've heard a lot of is that once they do that and they're together with their families, nobody asks them anything. There is no curiosity. There is no like, are you going to be so have you met somebody? Are you dating? Like, what's it like now that you're nothing? Silence. What's fascinating about that statement is that the other day, I think it was yesterday, I was talking to one of my friends. She lives in Utah, ex-Mormon. So, you know, that we don't have to say anything else there, but she is just now, um, her and her husband, the divorce is about final. They have two kids there. She has kept it all intact. Like they are still coexisting as good parents together separately, of course, but amicable co-parenting, but it's the family. And I, and I said to her something and she was like, I think you're right. And, um, what I said to her was just more of a, I think what the families sometimes do, especially when they've had like a, a whole long relationships with like a husband or whatnot, or they're coming. I think the family is literally just watching them through this lens of, is that still my sweetheart? Is that still my little dar, my little girl? Or I think they're not like, they're, it's just not processing that. Wow. Like what this whole new lifestyle might look like, except for maybe seeing New York city pride on a, on like, you know, a news channel somewhere or whatever. And that's like, you know, but that's seriously what the lens of some of them will see. Right. So it's just fascinating. I just think that the family is in that moment of like, there's really no huge judgment in the moment, except for the fact of like, they're just sort of watching th their, their daughter, niece, whoever it is, their grandchild. And they're just sort of seeing if like, if they're changed in any other ways, like, I mean, maybe there's a physical different look. Some women cut off their hair. They, you know, are, you know, becoming more masculine identified because they're 
being in their self. But other than that, I don't know if if you feel like that's kind of on par when they're when there's no questions being asked. Because I don't think well, that's I, necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I think it's um I think that that you know what it creates. Well, okay, there's two parts. I think that that is definitely possible for some people. I think other parents really the biggest difficulty parents have is the divorce piece Mm -hmm. that they are so upset that their child is getting divorced. Mm -hmm. Adult child is getting Mm -hmm. divorced. And it is that the sexuality piece becomes almost secondary typically to the divorce. Uh They really focus on the divorce. They really worry about the ex-husband. Mm-hmm. Um, and I lived through that personally. Um, my parents, are, especially my dad, was all on my ex-husband's side. Oh. Um, so oh. you know, so there's there's that. Mm-hmm. I think the part I'm gay is like beyond the divorce. It's like they don't even know what to make of that. They just don't know what to make of that. Like right. it's they can't even get there. And then the silence, which is better a hundred percent than like aggressiveness or like judgment. Absolutely. But what the silence creates is a real sense of like, um, being othered and not belonging and being alone. And Mm -hmm. I find that, um, the women in my groups, you know, they, they have expressed this. It's like, they feel like the support at these times when they are going through this process and coming out is coming from within the group. Mm-hmm. They can't really get that kind of support in their day-to-day life yeah. outside from friends, family members, like, you know, colleagues at work. They just can't get that support. No one's asking them how they're doing. No one's understanding what they're going through. And so, and so there is an aloneness that happens with that. Mm-hmm. What ways can what what tips could they look outside themselves in those moments like they're around family they're spent they're not you know maybe they don't have the money to stay at a hotel and like get that separation what kinds of things um should they be searching for in the next coming like 10 11 you know 10 days leading up to going to the family so that they can sort of get ahead of this Um, I think it's really the ability to understand that you have stepped onto this path of authenticity and of really connecting to who you are and not everybody in this lifetime, I'm going to say most people don't choose that. Mm -hmm. And so when you're going into your family surroundings and you're seeing all these family members, you have to really keep that in mind. They you know, most likely have not stepped onto the path of evolution and authenticity or the way they think they're doing it, which is like maybe through some like really extreme religious measures that they're, you know, really keeping to that's their path, Mm -hmm. but it is not, it is not your path. Like it's a very different path. And so whatever it is that they are, whether it's silent um, or leaving you out or just like, you know, really worried about your divorce and kind of like you know, um, focusing, like, like really like circling in on that. Yes. Yes. I mean, mean, first of all, boundaries, 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 um, with those things, you know, and boundaries can be really kind and nice. Like people are kind of scared of boundaries. They're like, well, I don't know how to do a boundary, you know? And it's like, 
do a boundary by saying something nice first. You Give know, us examples. Mom, mom, I love you so much. You are you are such an important person in my life. Start with that, then say the thing. You know, um about, you know, um I I had asked you to please not mention anything about my divorce or ask me any questions. So, I'm going to just, you know, let's just stop here. Just know I love you so much. And then that's it. Like just start with something really gentle, something to kind of soften the boundary. Um, so that there's that. Uh, and then the compliment well, sandwich. I said, I yeah. call that the compliment sandwich, you know, the yeah. starting with something kind. And so that it's not just immediately putting that person into the offensive and right. being attacked and, you know, triggering all of that. And then saying the thing that you need to say and then ending it on such a sweet note. I love that so much. It's so helpful in so many areas of life. Yeah. It's a great skill. It's a really great skill. And then the other thing is also just to look at the people around you and understand they are packed with all their own stuff. However they are reacting, that does not have anything to do with who you are or the journey you are on. It is totally separate. And that is so important to hold when you're going into the holidays and, you know, they might be very limited. And so, and, and that can bring up feelings too, right? So allow, maybe not in the moment of the holidays, maybe before, maybe after, you know, maybe if you are staying outside the home, when you go home at the end of the day, it could be really disappointing. Like there can be tons of grief and loss over the realization that your family is not what you had thought all these years that they were. Mm-hmm. When you're stepping onto the path of authenticity and they can't join you there and they are not like having your back and supporting you and loving you through it, there's huge amounts of disappointment. It is not because of you. You haven't done anything wrong. It is because of them and the way their conditioning has landed on them. And yeah. it's okay to grieve and it's okay to feel the loss. In fact, I encourage you to feel that loss so that you can move on, but not because you've done anything wrong. hmm so, so maybe ordering an Amazon t-shirt that says all questions reserved after the holiday. Yes, I'm gay. Love it. <laughs> We're getting divorced. We can talk about it later. That's my t-shirt I'm wearing, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So good. Yes. <laughs> um. So if you're like showing up and you're like in this last, like, I just remember a couple of holidays um, where, you know, my ex and I were just not getting along. Like it was just so stressful and painful. And like, it doesn't even matter if it's queer or you're still a spouse in a relationship long-term 18 years, whatever, four years, five years, doesn't matter. If you are fully enmeshed with somebody else, then you are in a full-blown, you know, relationship. And I just remember, and I, and it was probably, I wasn't trying, I wasn't being passive aggressive in the sense of verbally, but I would just focus on like, I'll clean up after presents. I'll, I'll do the dishes. Like I just sort of focused myself in like other land. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't just going to address like, or have these big conversations like while we're around family you know, it's meant for the kids and like, you think it's just one day out of the year, but there's so much heaviness around this one day. And some, and for some folks there, it's literally four days or five days. And 
like, or, you know, whatever, all the way through New Year's. And it, it can be really painful. It's a lot like, of pressure. A lot so of pressure. So did I do it right? Or should I have just like, or should, should Carrie and I have just taken a long walk, gotten through the shit and then been able to come back and like, you know, enjoy and being present for that day or two. I mean, I think that's like a really tall ask, you know? Um, I think the truth is, is if you're in the middle of a separation and you're spending the holidays together, I don't know. Unless the separation is totally amicable, both of you really want it and understand and are really deeply friends in a way where like you both feel it's for the better for both. Like, I mean, it you have to be really in a very specific space to get through the holidays right before you're separating or like the last holiday together and to not have any of that kind of tension that you're talking about. So you found ways to distract yourself so that you wouldn't get caught in any you know, weird dynamics or anything like that. And, you know, kind of avoided those things by finding like tasks you can do. And that's great. That's a great way to get through it. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, yeah, that's I think good the, yeah, the idea that you can get through it. So for people that are just like, well, you know, we just have to make it through it, whether it's the last holiday or it's like every holiday, like, right. you know, we, we look, we're getting divorced and you're going to live your life. I'm going to live, but we've got to come together for the holidays and we've got to be there for the kids on the holidays. I mean, I don't know, you know, if, if you're friends and you like each other a lot, yes. Like if you really care about each other in that way, where like, you guys just have like a good thing as friends and humans, like you care about each other as humans in the world. Yes. But yeah. if there is like some friction and tension that is coming up. No, that is not good for your kids. It's not good for you. And it's not good for your kids. They can feel that like mm-hmm. ener- that energy is coming out. It is leaking Ooh, out. You are thinking, oozing. yeah, you it's oozing. You think you're, you got it so together and you guys are pulling it off and you're both staying really busy. They, they're feeling it. And it's weird for them. I could tell you my kids, like when me and my ex-husband would get together for like whatever, it was a birthday or any kind of that graduation. I mean, they were just like, oh, you know, like, oh, this is little oh, God, you know, we're all bracing ourselves for this, yeah. you know, because the energy was just weird. Mm-hmm. So know that and give yourself permission to do what feels right for you so that you don't have to feel tense. Because if you're feeling tense, your kids pick up on that. Mm-hmm. You know, if you what, have, yeah, in this last, um, in this last, and I'll just say the boot camp because that's the last time it'll be called right. that. But, um, did some of this come up around the holidays, knowing that it was ending, it just ended like last week? Um, I'm trying to think, you know, strangely, this particular group didn't have a ton coming up for them around getting through the holidays, but I have, but I also have, so the, so people that have done my program already, I have something called the Sapphic circle Mm. and that's an ongoing program where we meet every other week. Um, and it's, it's a support circle essentially. So, um, the women, Can anybody are, join or have to have gone through your boot camps? this one, you have to have either worked with me one-on-one or okay. done a boot camp okay. to get into the Sapphic circle yeah, um, circle. Yes. Um, and so those women are actually, they've been struggling with the holidays and, 
their first holiday where they're not going to be with their spouse, you know, um, because they've separated and, or they're not going to be with their spouse because they haven't separated, but their families know, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And some people are alone for the first time ever, you know, they're really alone. They're not with their family because their family's super religious and their family knows. And so, you know, that's also a hard time. Um, and I always, recommend, and this is just really for anybody going through a divorce. You don't even have to be queer. Mm -hmm. It's just, you have to start to think about your own rituals. Yeah. Your, your new traditions that you want to create. Yeah. Yeah. Like for being Jewish, like it's, it's a movie and Chinese food, right? So when my ex and I split up, it was always going to be, Caden would always go with Carrie for Christmas. And it turns out that it's actually always her week too, like interestingly enough, but um, I have Hanukkah, so I do that and I love Thanksgiving. So I do Thanksgiving and, um, and then Christmas she goes, but it was my first Christmas last year and I was living here in Arizona and I have family, but I, it is because I was recovering from my second hip replacement I will say, and I haven't said this out loud to anybody, um, but I will say it to you today. That was the loneliest day I ever felt because I couldn't physically drive myself up to Scottsdale, which was a 45 minute drive because I was, I was, you know, in recovery mode and I totally lied and paid, played off because I did not want anybody else to like feel bad in that moment. Cause I already had people calling me like, how are you doing? And like, I'm like, we're not doing pity party. Like I'm watching, like I'm ordering food and I am like watching Hallmark movies and just in my own little, you know, place. But I will say that, um, if anyone is alone, I want to tell them to, cause I won't, I will not be with Caden again. So, and I might go up to family cause I can, but if anyone's alone, I want to let them know that they can DM me on Instagram and if they just want to chat or if they want to like text and I'll send silly memes back and forth, like who, if you, if you need a pseudo friend for the day, like I'll be yeah. that friend, you know what I mean? Like, cause I just know how that you want, trust me. Oh, <laughs> she sends the best her. memes. <laughs> It will depend. Yeah. It depends on the conversation, who they are. <laughs> it's, we, you really, you, we really up our game when it's, you know, our core friend group, you know, and stuff like that. So, but I just don't want anyone to ever feel that way. But if you do, it's also okay. Like it taught me a lot about myself for exactly what you said that coming out of it, I feel way more equipped this year. And knowing that I have choices, I'm healthy, I can also take myself for a hike, I can go up to Sedona for the day, or drive to LA if I feel like it, and drive on Christmas Day, because I have that flexibility, like, like, literally, it's whatever I want it to be. And I think it doesn't have to be made to be like this. It's to me, it's just another day, honestly, without any traffic, which is kind of Yeah, I was alone for Thanksgiving. And I will say like, people um, call me and say, you know, like, are you okay on Thanksgiving? You want to come over? And, you know, people invited me over and I, I chose, you know, I I'm okay being alone because there's a power um, in spending time with yourself. And I think we live very much in a culture where there's so much pressure to never be alone and to never sit with yourself and people pity you or feel bad for you or, or, they they honestly feel a little bit triggered by you being alone sometimes mm-hmm. and there is just so much beauty in being with yourself and and getting used to 
being okay well, with there's like that. there's like two types of friends you have the friends that are like i would give anything to be alone right now like you are so freaking lucky um you know like woo and then you have the friends who are like are you okay or there's so fear like i don't even know what i would do if i were alone like they're just really? yeah so it's just yeah. it's funny how you have those different, you know, it depends on your journey and where you're at in life and, and what you value. Some people just really love the the holidays for the purpose of being around people. And like, that's just really part of their core. Like it fills them up regardless religion, blah, blah, blah. Like it just fills them up. So I think, but I think getting to know yourself, that's the part of the journey is like, whoa, if I'm getting divorced, what does holidays look like? oh, I can recreate the holiday to be exactly what I finally have wanted that to be. Because before we had to go to their, you know, family and blah, you know, like whatever that looks like. So it's just fascinating. Any other good like tips, Sam, to like get through the holidays and anything that's worked for you in the past or, you know, what, what do you like? Do you have any traditions for yourself now? Um, I'm not a huge holiday celebrator. So I'm a little more like river, like Thanksgiving. I don't, I don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Um, I typically just let my kids go to their dads and his wife. And um, I just take it as like a day of rest. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm not a big holiday celebrator. So it's, you know, I mean, I think when my kids were little, it, you know, I think it's harder than obviously my kids are launched now, but sometimes it's hard to like have been around a lot of family for many years. And then all of a sudden, you know, now 10 years later, you're divorced and you're like, well, we always went to his family. Now, what do we do? You know, am I still invited or right? So, you know, and I've done a combination of things. I mean, I have gone to have holidays with my ex-husband and his wife mm-hmm. on many occasions. And um I've also just, you know, decided to do like things with friends for the holidays. Totally. With their family and their friends. And sort of like I think chosen family is also just so important to have and make sure, sure that if you are somebody who's coming out later, um, or even if even if it's just even if you're straight, you know, like uh-huh. who are your chosen people, who are your chosen family, and can you be around some of those people for the holidays, you know, with your kids? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it well, can be tough. I I just love this conversation so much, and there's so much more that I want to get to, but that just means you'll have to come back for number three. <laughs> oh Absolutely. No, I mean, I really just appreciate and value um, what you are doing for the community. I don't know if you know that it is so like remarkable. It is so loving of you in a way to like give back this way. And I just, I get emotional thinking about all these people that get to like have this soft landing with you because I'm friends with so many now um, in in this Arizona community and I hear their pain day to day and they're so strong, but because they have each other and I get to be a witness to that and I get to be their OG and get to just say validation, validation, like hug, let me hold you, you know, in those moments of pain or struggles or 
help help them, you know, with their husbands in the sense of like, hey, I'll come over and be your token gay friend and let them get to know me. And because I typically can can really cross, I can really bridge that, you know, being who I am. And they just are like, oh, well, this is, she's cool. Like, okay. And I love being that for people. And um, especially for these later in life, I've just, my heart is so heavy with them. And I just love that. I love the work that you're doing. Um, and I can't wait to like come to New York, hang out with you. And let me tell you guys, if you're not following Sam, um, I just want you to check out her, her, the way she dresses. I'm calling it Foxy. She dresses Foxy because that's her last name, Fox. But um, her style is beyond awesome. And I want to be her when I grow up. Um, so... <laughs> you know, one of these days, but we were laughing about it, but it, it really, she's a cool ass chick that you definitely need to follow if you're not. I love that. Hi, River. Look at River yeah. smiling. That's so cute. <laughs> Do you have anything to say? Last words, River? Oh, I just appreciate you so much. You know, I love that you came back and I hope we have you back again in the future because I think what you have to share is just so needed and, um, I hope that, you know, that we have listeners who, if these, these are things that they're navigating and they're struggling with, that it just fills their cup to hear this and gives them some, some confirmation that they're not alone. This is a common struggle. Yes. Yeah. Really appreciate you, Sam. Any last words yeah. for you, from you, Samantha Fox? Oh, um, well, I mean, check me out at Lesbian Curiosity Coach on Instagram or TikTok. And also lesbiancuriosity.com is where you can find out about my programs. And if you are wondering if you're attracted to her, does that mean you should leave him? You can just take my free quiz, which is also on Instagram. Um, and you'll get some, some answers there. Um, and yeah, just stay tuned for more programming. And, um, you know, if, if anyone has questions about anything, you can always DM me on TikTok or on Instagram and just shoot me your questions and I'll try to create content around that. A lot of the things that I do are around content that people, you know, questions that people have. Um, and I try to answer as many people as possible. So, yep, you're not alone. If you're looking for a guide and community, definitely join the Unbox Your Sexuality program. Um, we start the next one on January 10th. That's and, great. great way to yeah. start a new year. I mean, forget resolutions, starting to starting the year to grow self. Mm. is like the best reason yeah. to like dig in so that you can, you know, everyone can make 2024 literally the best year of their own life. And without, you know, without judgment and without thinking that you're, you're, you need to be in a shame spiral or that you have to feel bad about yourself. It's like, Starting the year off 12 weeks later, it'll be springtime, baby. And everyone will be spring cleaning and feeling, feeling themselves. I mean, I think it's, I, I think it's a beautiful time to start that. Yeah. And to be with other humans on the same journey that are doing the same work and create that kind of. How many people, how many people do you need for the, how many, for the group usually? Um, I usually have about 10 in there. Yeah. So it's a small group. Yeah. Um, they're recorded. So if you can't make all 12, that's absolutely fine. There are so many different pieces to the program that, you know, 
um, you won't miss much if you miss a call or two. I always have a couple of people that miss some of the calls. So, but they're recorded. So like you said, they can catch up. Yeah. Yeah. It's an investment in yourself and definitely worth it if you're on this journey. So Heck yeah. If I was on this journey now, I'd be all over. I'd be like, how do I get certified so I can help you train another 10 somewhere else? You know what I mean? Yeah. I have people asking me that actually. <laughs> I bet. I bet you you could have, you know, quite, you know, kind of like franchise them in, you know, different areas. So they can, you can have meetups in person and things like that. But Anyways, happy holiday, my sweet friends, and love you both, and keep on keeping on. Thank you. Same to you. See you guys. Thank you. Bye, Thank guys. If you enjoyed this episode today, be sure to subscribe and share, because what do we say, baby? Sharing is caring. <laughs>